look back and reflect at what you've achieved. Be proud of that. Use that as fuel to move forward. And you don't have to be like anybody else because you're not like anybody else. Hey, everybody. Emily Abadi here. You are listening to episode 212 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential. And of course, have some fun along the way. For episode 212, I am chatting with Kaisa Karenin. She is a fitness coach, co-founder of Just Move, and known to her more than million followers on Instagram as Kaisa Fit. You know, I feel like I've been following Kaisa for a really, really long time now, and I am always astounded at both her positivity and also her dedication to her mission, which she talks about in today's episode, is literally just encouraging people to move and meet themselves with where they're at. Now, if you listen to the show, you know that that is definitely something that I can get behind. In today's episode, Kaisa talks to me about her foundations, playing soccer and running track, growing up, and navigating a battle with depression, which she only recently opened up to her family about, and then her community. The Seattle-based wellness expert talks to me today about a whole bunch of things from the moment that she knew that she wanted to dedicate her life's work to encouraging others to move to the hard times that she faced during the pandemic. Only recently, she confesses, coming back out of a really difficult time, something that I think a lot of people will be able to relate to when listening to this convo. Kaisa opens up about what her priorities are right now in terms of her movement practice, as well as how she takes care of herself, what her self-care routine looks like. And we talk about fueling, what she puts in her body, what she focuses on, plus what she's excited about coming down the pipe. Loved this conversation. We talk about how it's been a super long time coming, years in the making. In fact, I'm happy that we were able to connect and finally make it happen. Make sure, as always, that you are following along with Hurdle over on social media. It is over at Hurdle Podcast. I myself over at Emily Abadi. And for those of you that may be in Eugene, Oregon for the World Athletic Championships later this week, I am getting my bags packed, getting my act together, and I'll be out there as well. I listed all the details, what I've got going on out in Oregon in last week's edition of the Weekly Hurdle Newsletter. If you're out of the loop, get in it on the Weekly Hurdle is uh, so much of the same stuff that you love about the show, motivation and gear picks, stories from me, uh, listener questions, hurdler spotlights, etc. in your inbox every single Friday morning. And you can subscribe for free. The link to do that is in the show notes. I think that's it for now. If you haven't yet, rate and review the podcast in Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to this. And with that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Kaisa Karanen. She told me not to say her last name, but I feel like you get both. I mean, I like the Oprah vibes you're giving me with just the first name basis. <laughs> I didn't even intentionally do that. I just, my, I am looking out for you because the name is so hard to say that I'm like, just skip it. Don't worry about it. Girl, I get it. My last name is Abadi. I've heard Abate, Abate, Abate. I'm just like, it's cool. Whatever works for you works for me. Yeah, I'm kind of with that too. I don't even correct people anymore, so... <laughs> Well, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. I feel like this has been a long time coming. I don't know if you remember this. You might not. I'm going to tell you, though. Right before the pandemic, I was going to come to Seattle as part of like a crazy like tour I was doing with Hurdle. And we were going to link and I had to cancel this trip. Like I think I was supposed to be there on March 16th. 
Okay. When I got the email that I was, I was like, I know her from something somewhere <laughs> at some point in time. But that's also the story of my life where I'm like, Kaisa, you don't actually know that person. You just know him from social. So <laughs> you're not actually well, friends. Here we are two and a half years later. Wow. Meant to be. I'm Meant really be. excited for this conversation. So thank you for having me. Of course. So happy to have you. I'm sure in the intro, the hurdlers will know this about you by now, but you are the co-founder of Just Move, a personal trainer. You've got your MS in exercise science. You're all about the beauty of us moving our body. Yes. Hashtag just move. (laughs) Hashtag just move. So something to kick us off here. I see you sitting here with this pretty microphone. You've been getting into the podcast game. How does that feel for you? And like, I don't, I am not getting into the podcast game. Okay. Let me just say that I'm trying to dip my toes. I am trying to talk more. I think what I've curated on social media is an image of a woman that does crazy workouts, but there's so much more behind that. And if I don't talk about my why, then nobody gets to know why. And so I think, you know, having a podcast now and starting to open up a bit more has been the goal. We love that. Very slowly. (laughs) I get it. And, you know, regardless of how people are creating, it is so impressive for anyone to be making content as regularly as you have gotten it down. So to see you branch out beyond the really informational and super expertly crafted stuff that you already have going on and like dip your toe in this new vertical, there's something to be said for that. Thank you. I actually really appreciate that because I think a lot of times people think social media, one, like it's not a real job or two, like you just film stuff and put it up. I'm like, those videos that you see take me like two hours to edit. So like there's so much work that goes into making this all happen. But also like the programming that goes into the video before you even go to shoot the video. So to give some more context into what you do now, why don't we start there and then we'll rewind it back to talking about that why that you said is so important. So talk to us a little bit about what you're working on now and what maybe your day-to-day looks like. Yeah. So no day-to-day is the same, but the overall, the biggest project that I'm working on is Just Move, which is our platform um, that has movement for everybody and every body. So we have anything from someone who is just starting their movement journey to advanced movers, and it's all on the Just Move platform. So that was always my dream. And so to be in this space where it's actually happening and that's what I'm working towards every single day is amazing. And then where a lot of people see me is on social media. So you'll see a lot of my day to day in terms of the workouts that I'm doing and and just like a day in the life of me on social. But the work is always being done to build just move. That's really the big goal. Got it. Got it. And so for you, when it comes to your programming, how are you focusing your training these days? Like what is maybe your main focus when it comes to you and your body? My main focus these days is one, to feel so good in my body because as we all did, we went through a pandemic and I just felt so disconnected to my body for, you know, two and a half years. So number one, just feel so damn good in my body. And then two, just to feel like the most badass version of myself. I'm training like a hardcore athlete right now because one, that's just what makes me feel good and it's what I enjoy the most. So for the past four months, that's what my training has entailed and I feel great and I'm loving it. And that's the season I'm in. I know seasons we ebb and flow and I'm just really embracing a season of just feeling like a badass and training like one. So you haven't always been stringing together like broad jump after broad jump after broad jump in really speedy, fast fashion. And people are like, how the hell do you do that? You haven't always been able to perform like this. Talk to me a little bit about what movement was like for you from a young age. Oh, Emily. Well, one, thanks for watching that Instagram video. I appreciate that. Um, so movement for me at a young age started. Okay, we're going to go all the way back because I do like telling the story. I feel like it pairs two things together, which is my obsession with shoes and my love for movement. So it all started when my mom put me in a race at Nordstrom and I won a pair of shoes by crawling and I wasn't even able to crawl. I pulled, I like army crawled, pulled myself across. I won a pair of Nike shoes and that was my first race. And then from there, 
I had a lot of energy as a kid. I still do as a, as an adult. And my mom just had me in all types of movement, but I never committed to a specific type of movement until my eighth grade year when I committed to soccer. And then I was on a club team and then that really became my sport. Coincidentally, I did track in college because I ended up wanting to go to division one instead of division two, which was my soccer opportunity. Um, and then from there, I became a trainer. So I've always been about movement in some way, shape or form, because it's always been the thing that helps me connect back to myself and and ultimately take care of myself. Very important. But taking care of yourself, especially in high school, took on a whole new meaning when you had to work your way through some anxiety, a little bit of mental health troubles. Talk to us about that. Yeah. So I wouldn't say a little bit. It was a lot of mental health. And I I realize I don't talk about this enough, but I deal with as much as I work on my physical health, I'm working on my mental health. I mean, I've seen therapists for many, many years. I constantly value where my mental state is at because um, my mental health is really important to me. And I am somebody who can tend to go into depression Um, And I didn't recognize that until my freshman year in high school, which was just, it was a really difficult time. There were so many things that were going on for me. And so as I look back now, I know it was, you know, family life. It was going into from a very tiny private school to a big high school, not feeling like I fit in, not feeling like I found my people. Um, And so I definitely went through a really deep, dark time and, and ultimately contemplated leaving this earth. And I ended up thinking to myself, which is crazy because as a freshman, you are 12 or 13, but I remember this moment, like it was yesterday. And I remember thinking, because every single day I would walk down to the the park at the bottom of my hill with my soccer ball. Um, and I would just go spend some time there. And I remember thinking one day I have to make a decision. I can't keep being in this space and I have to decide what I'm going to do. And if I'm going to stay here, what is the one thing that's going to kind of keep me anchored to this earth? And that was movement. And for me at that time, movement was soccer. And so I was a freshman in high school. And I, that was the moment that I decided like, I want to stay on this earth and I'm going to dive straight into the one thing that makes me happy, which was being a soccer player. Um, and so I dedicated my life for the next four years to soccer. And ultimately, you know, that is the thing that saved my life. And then it was also through that time that I realized like I movement means everything to me. Like my love for movement helps me connect to my body, helps me work through very, very difficult, dark times, helps me have fun and enjoy life. And so I think that's where my deep appreciation for movement and for my body started to develop. I think that's something that can be helpful for a lot of individuals is when someone kind of paints the picture of what their personal depression looked like. So would you mind maybe talking a little bit about what that looked like for you? Yeah, my personal depression at the time when I was a freshman looked like severe anxiety, like working up to going to school every morning was like, Mm. like going to battle, um, having to prep. I just having to prep what I would do when I didn't have something to do, like lunch breaks caused me a ton of anxiety, Um, I would make up things to do or pretend like I had to go run an errand and go walk to a store. Like it was constantly having to think about what I'm going to do day to day, step to step in my life to distract myself. And Mm. so I was very goal oriented. I mean, I always have been, but I was goal oriented in like, okay, lunch is at 1145. You're going to walk to Bartell Drugs. You're going to pretend like you have to get this. Lunch ends at 1230. You're like, that's where it was for me. And it was constantly a deep, dark place. Like there was no, I couldn't see an out to anything that I was doing. And I I think because my own, the only time that I had an out was soccer that I knew that there was some escape at some, like things would get better at some point in time. If there was one moment in my life where things were better and I just had to keep going towards that and doing it more and more. I mean, I was someone who spent hours upon hours. I mean, from the outside world, everybody thought like, this girl is so dedicated at 13 years old. I mean, she's out at the soccer field for like two to three hours. You know, she's on the weekends. She doesn't go anywhere or do anything. She's playing soccer. She's practicing. She's training. I was a 13 year old that was like out running stairs and getting it, you know, like working on things that I wish someone would have looked at and, and said like, this isn't, this, this isn't, this isn't normal and this isn't okay. Did you talk to anybody about how you felt? No, never. 
Never. Wow. I didn't tell my mom who I was really close to. I never told her until NASM about four or five years ago asked me to, to do the keynote. And I was going to tell my story to my peers for the first time. And a huge piece of the story is why I'm so in, why I'm so obsessed with movement is because it saved my life and my mom was mm-hmm. going to be there. And so I had to tell her my story before she heard me tell it live. Yeah. Wow. And that must have been like such an interesting and introspective moment for her, uh, you know, with the questions that she had for herself. Where was I? What was I paying attention to? And I can sympathize as someone who's been on both sides of the coin, feeling as though you wish that you could have been there for someone who was struggling, but without knowing, without establishing, you know, that open communication, it can just be really hard all around. Yeah. And I always say to my mom, my mom, there were four of us siblings, you know, like, and my mom was a very young parent and she was trying to survive. And so I also hid it. Like I hid everything that I was doing and masked it with perfectionism. Like I worked my ass off as a student, um, you know, as an athlete, I don't think, I think you could have tried to be aware that I was doing a lot maybe, Mm -hmm. but I don't think I didn't have the quote unquote typical symptoms of depression. And now we know there aren't any typical symptoms, but um, I I don't know that she would have ever known. Yeah. So for you, as you graduate high school, you go on to college. Did you think that you would become a professional athlete? Did you think that you were going to go pro? Okay. Yes, Emily. But I don't even know when I look back, I'm like, Kaisa, what, like, what did that mean for you? Because what did that mean for you? I, I don't know. I just never saw my life beyond athletics. I never saw my life past college. All I ever wanted from the moment that I realized I could play sports in college was to play sports in college. And then apparently like life ended after that. I never thought beyond that. Um, and so, and then what professional would mean at the time, I don't know that I was, you know, a track athlete or a a soccer player and getting paid to train. I don't know. I was so young. (laughs) No. And what, what track event are you running? Um, I was doing the heptathlon. Okay. Wow. See out of the box event there. Yes. Oh, we'll see. Yeah. Everything about my life is out of the box. So the, the story is really that I, soccer was the sport that I, that I gravitated towards and I loved because I really loved being around a team. Um, but I ended up being better in track. And so I had an option for D2 soccer or D1 track and, you know, ego at 18, I wanted to go division one. So I went to the university of Washington and did the heptathlon. Wow. Wow. Uh, favorite part of the heptathlon? The javelin by far and away. Wow. That is not, I don't know if we've ever had anyone on the show who considered themselves a good javelin thrower. Yeah. Well, it happened to be pretty much my best event, but the javelin, the way that the scoring works, you get points for each event, but the javelin isn't an event that you get a lot of points in. So it, you know, didn't really work out in favor. Absolute jerks. (laughs) Okay. So, I mean, after being a stellar heptathlete at the University of Washington, then where does your mind go? Because you are thinking, okay, like I'd love to play pro, but like, did you think that you were going to start training to go to the Olympics and do like, at that point, who knows, decathlon? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, correction, Emily, I was not stellar. This is where, <laughs> this is where the whole thing takes a turn. Like Kaisa, you have gotten here. You've worked your ass off to get here. You think you're going pro. You think this is the rest of your life. And you're just broken. Like I wasn't, I wasn't good because I was broken every single year over training to the max. I mean, I had never lifted a weight until I went to college. And when you go to division mm. one, when you go to college, but when you go to division one, they don't necessarily care about you a lot as an individual. You just are part of the masses. So there was not a lot of like detailed, uh, oriented programming towards Kaisa. It was fit in with the masses. Um, So I was broken every single year. So when I graduated from college, I just had this moment of knowing how much movement meant to me and knowing that I needed to be able to move for the rest of my life. There was no way I could be 23 and broken and injured and in pain and not being able to move. Um, And so I went to go, I, I got certified as a trainer but not to train. I never had any intention of training individuals. And I know this is crazy. Like when you look at it now, I'm like, Kaisa, how did you not think that the thing that you love so much 
you wanted to do. I didn't put all of that together. I mean, one, also in my depression, like I think a lot of me is just trying to survive and put one step in front of the next. Right. But what I knew was that I wanted to become a social worker. So I did know deep down that I did want to work with humans. And so to carry on with this story, the reason I'm a trainer now is because I was nannying at the time, getting ready to go back to school um, to get my master's in social work. And the woman that I was nannying for said, can you, since you're becoming a trainer, can you come run a boot camp? And I was like, Leslie, I'm not becoming a trainer. I'm just learning about my body right now. So no. And all summer long, she asked me. And finally I said yes at the end of the summer. And I coached one boot camp with probably like five of her friends. Best moment of my life. It was like, you know, the the sun was just shining down and it like made me so aware of what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. But that's I that's when I knew I wanted to be a trainer and that's when I knew I wanted to bring movement to the masses. How did you even know like about what formatting or whatever the hell you wanted to do with this group of five, six women? Emily, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> I was like, Kaisa, just make it through. I have now recently been diagnosed with like anxiety. And so now I know that like all of the preparation for everything and all these stories that I tell myself, like, I'm like, okay, well now I can like attribute it back, but I probably didn't sleep for like a week. Like I was trying to do everything perfect. I was probably at the time there was no social media. So I was probably looking at like every YouTube bootcamp video to figure out like, how do you have them move and how do you have them work out? But I did know it was a group of like 30 to 40 year old women. And I just wanted them to have fun with movement. Like I've always had that in me that I just want people to have a fun, good experience. And so somehow we made it through and they had a good time. And I ran that boot camp at Green Lake for, for months, for a long time until I decided to commit to an actual gym and be a trainer. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you commit to being an actual trainer at a gym. And how do you feel about some of the rigidity that came with that? I mean, looking back, it's all one big, it's like all hilarious. So I became a trainer at a gym and I was so excited to help encourage people to move. And time and time again, every single client that came in for a consultation was here to lose weight. And so I was mm. like, oh, wow. Okay. I guess I'm not the trainer for you, but you can go train with them or train with them. And I'm like waiting for the client that comes through and is like, I'm so excited to learn how to like, you know, be a better version of myself or learn how to squat and do pushups. Well, months and months go by and I have no clients. So I had to have like a reevaluation of there are so many people. The majority of people that come into movement is because they want to change the way that they look. And if I discourage that or don't meet them where they're at, mm. then I'm not doing my part. And so I decided to not okay and not co-sign the message that they were initially coming in with, but just not discourage it. So I started to pull clients in. Um, I started to create really, really fun and encouraging programs for them to do. Um, and I would allow them to tell their own stories, but I would never co-sign it. And then six years later, I had formatted and created my own business all around performance training. And it was mainly middle-aged women. And it was incredible. So like 10 years ago, women in performance training, like 10 years ago is like kind of the beginning of the middle of the CrossFit phase. It's like there aren't a ton of women that we're seeing in conventional media that are doing explosive movements, that are lifting barbells, that kind of stuff. So you were really a little bit ahead of feeling as though like this is like something that we all need to be doing. Yes. And thank you for saying that because I do think it's important to note, and this was even before CrossFit because there was no social media. CrossFit was around, but it wasn't, it wasn't blown up the way that it Very is. Very different. Yeah. yeah. And they're the only thing that I saw was Jillian Michaels on The Biggest Loser because the only platform for fitness and movement was TV and that was the only show. Yeah. And so, and I just knew absolutely no knock to Jillian because she has done her thing. But I, I just knew that wasn't the, that wasn't my message and that wasn't what I wanted to do. And that wasn't how I wanted to encourage people to move. And because I had always had an experience of being proud of what my body was physically doing as an athlete, um, I wanted to start bringing that to other people and really to women. I just, I loved training women and having them come in and think that they, we're not capable of doing anything in their body and then starting to train and starting to get them to squat and lift weight and do a push up and you know like it was just the most incredible experience to witness them start to just really appreciate their body and become empowered in their body 
So when then do you make a little bit of the transition over to putting some of your programming and getting more involved in social media? Well, so I took a little detour. (laughs) So I was running my own business. I was having a great time, but my depression came in again, like really intensely. I was overworked. Um, so from the outside, like very successful, but I was overworked. I was extremely tired and I had no energy to do anything except for to get to the training sessions. Um, and so at that time I thought like, okay, I still want to be in this world, but maybe this isn't the spark that I want. Maybe I'm missing something. And so that's when I went back to school and decided to get my master's in sports performance because I thought, okay, the thing that's going to, you know, bring you back to life is going to be training athletes. Day one of my internship. So I had to quit. I put my entire business on hold to go back into an unpaid internship and to take out a loan for like 60 or 70 grand to go back to my master's program. Day one in the internship, I'm like, oh shit. (laughs) Like, what did I just do? I don't think this is the right thing. So slowly over time, I had an incredible experience because not every choice in life takes you to the next perfect step. I think sometimes a backward step is also an actual forward step. And so I just recognized like it, it showed me so much how it showed me how much I loved training general population and how much I loved training all the women that I was training and how much I loved encouraging them to start moving. Um, and so it solidified that, but I went through the whole program, got my master's in sports performance, and then social media started coming around at the time. And a friend wanted to be on the cover of a magazine and we were already training together. And she was like, well, you start creating content with me. And, and so we did. You make it sound like so effortless. It's like, so we did at the beginning, knowing your background and you articulated it this way of perfectionism. How did you feel about creating content from the get go? Awful. I did not want, I was, I didn't want to be on social media. I didn't want people to see me. I like to live my life behind the curtains. Um, I wanted nothing to do with it because I didn't, I I think because I couldn't vocalize at the time, but the fear of judgment and criticism was I was putting myself on display for that. But my friend at the time wanted the cover of a magazine so bad. And I was like, okay, if this, if this is what you want, like if this is what you want to do, I will show up and I will do this for you. In the back of my mind, I've also always loved business. So when we started creating content really quickly, I was seeing like, okay, one, this is the way that you speak to the masses. Because when we were on Instagram, it wasn't big. It wasn't like this huge thing. We were before the wave of Instagram, but I could see right away that it wasn't just our friends and family that were paying attention to what we were doing. Like this was starting to grow. And months in, we had people all around the world seeing what we were doing and repeating our workouts. And so for me, I was like, okay, one, my mission of getting the world to move, this is going to be a huge factor in it. And then two, like this is becoming business. We were getting approached by companies and, um, and that's when my light bulbs kind of turned on. So, and that's when I started having really a lot of fun with it. So when you start to get approached by companies, what do those conversations look like? And where did you get, I, you articulated being really interested in the business side of things, but did you have anyone that was a mentor for you when it came to figuring out how to go about establishing these relationships, price costing, uh, quoting prices and whatever comes with that. No. And this is where I love talking to like influencers now or people in this world. Now I'm like, it was literally a shot in the dark for every single thing that we were doing, but it was a shot in the dark for me. And it was a shot in the dark for the companies as well, because social media was so new. Nobody really knew how to regulate anything. Nobody knew what to charge for things. Um, and that ended up being a short lived. So my friend and I had started two bad bodies that ended up being short lived because she didn't really want it to explode the way that it was. And I was loving it. So we went our separate ways. Um, and then I got the taste of being able to do something and really encourage the world to move and turn it possibly into a business. And so the rest is history for me. That's when Kaisafit started. Um, on social media. And it has been a roller coaster ride. It, it's really testing a lot and seeing what works and figuring out what your worth is. Um, I have a good friend who's in the business as well. And so he's helped me a lot on, you know, what he charges for things. So it was like, we grew up together in this, but there was, there were no rules. There was no guidelines. There was no, you know, handbook to follow. taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about my sponsor at Open. 
Open is a digital mindfulness platform combining breathwork, meditation, and movement. It is also one of my relatively new favorite parts of my morning routine. Now, I'll be real. When someone used to talk to me about breathwork before, I just felt a little bit like this was never going to be something that was right for me. And that really was until I tried open. In just three to five minutes a day, I am able to find my calm using Open's super simple platform. After doing breathwork in the morning, I feel now like I sleep better at night, I stress less, and I have more energy and focus throughout my day. I love that Open meets me where I'm at and that they have options that start at a short time period and get super lengthy up to 20 or 30 minutes. So it's easy for me to stick with it. You can bring a friend to any class with unlimited guest passes and they've got unlimited live and on-demand options perfect to fit any schedule. Now, we've got to take class together. Trust me, you're going to love it. Head on over to withopen.com slash hurdle. That's with W-I-T-H-O-P-E-N.com slash hurdle to get 30 days free. Come on now, who doesn't love free stuff? Again, that address to try open today, withopen.com slash hurdle. See you in class. What would you say was the biggest challenge at first? I mean, so many challenges. One, the biggest misnomer is that it worked right away. I put my entire business and life on hold for a year and a half. I created my own content every single day. So I was working like 80 plus hours a week unpaid because when we went our separate ways, I didn't have a big enough platform for anybody to want to care or pay me anything, but I had a vision and a goal. I edited my own content. I created all of it. And that was all unpaid. And that was all like not a lot of eyes were on me. I go back and I look and I was so motivated and like three people saw the video. But like, so that was for me, my goal was never to have the biggest following in the world. My goal was always to be able to have a platform that my message could reach more people. And because I was so anchored to that, I was so motivated for so long when I got none of the reward. Nothing was coming back to me. I was just still out there every single day asking people favors. Like, can you film this for me real quick? Like, it was a hustle and it was a grind. It was not glorious. How did you get over the hurdle of becoming the person in front of the camera? I would imagine this also relating to this idea of having so many eyes on you on social media these days, especially with over a million followers. How have you dealt with maybe unsolicited feedback or the just pressures that can go with people having an opinion on your body. So I'm going to take you back a little bit. I think my entire life, I knew I had depression, anxiety, but un, it was not labeled. And so I had tactics and skills to deal with things. Growing up, I was known as a bitch just because I created a shell that I wanted no one to approach me. I wanted no one to talk to me. I wanted to just go about and do my own thing because it was so much anxiety about how I would show up how they would judge me. What would I say? And so I literally like, that's what I was known for in high school and in college. And so taking that in a positive spin to it, when I went on social media, I created an alter ego. So Kaisa Fit is my alter ego. It's like my Sasha Fears. Um, and so she was something that I could like stand behind. And she was like the best. She still today is the best version of myself. I try to live up to be Kaisa Fit in all of my life, but she is the best version of myself. So I think for me, I started to learn ways to cope with how I was going to handle all the pressure. Um, but I was not going to allow it to hold me back. And that is one thing I'm always so proud of. Mm. And so I, I knew I had to have tools in my belt to like be able to work through this. And it was definitely, it was creating the alter ego. And I didn't realize that until recently when I've started to do a lot more deep diving, um, work into myself, but yeah, it's been the alter ego mm. and she's been there this whole time. I feel like someone listening to this hears the deep dive work into myself and wants to know more about that. Can you talk about that a little yeah, bit? The deep, I mean, deep dive work for me is therapy. We all went through a difficult time during the pandemic. I went through a very difficult time, both family, life, business, all of the things. And I kind of just came out of that in January of this year and just recognized like, 
I know now when I start to spiral, I've done enough work to start to realize like things are getting dark and they can get really dark. And before they get really dark, you got to start pulling yourself out and having the tools to do that. Um, and so the deep dive has been in more therapy and more regular therapy every single week and really working on that. And also just very intentional movement and being in a space where I feel very um, taken care of right now. The place that my coach and the place that I move is um, amazing and has been life-changing for for me. During the pandemic, reflecting on how difficult it's been, you mentioned having a hard time. Talk to us about where you were with your business at the beginning of 2020. Yeah. So the beginning of 2020, Just Move actually wasn't even created. It was still the vision, but we were selling single products of me um, in hopes to kind of like be able to put my products out there and have people interested in what I was doing before we went to a full platform. Um, and then 2020 happened and everybody wanted to work out at home and we were perfectly set up for that to happen. And so for the next two years, I was experiencing life very different than my family and my friends and most of the world around me because I had never been busier. And so it was such a disconnect of I had never been busier. Nobody could relate. I had never been busier, so I'd never been more unhealthy because I had no time to take care of myself. Um, and so the, just this massive separation of my body and myself started to happen. And it wasn't until late, late last year. It wasn't until I got COVID in December um, of this past year that things had to stop. And I had to be like, I am so I am in a dark place like this. I am not healthy. This is not good. And if I don't recognize that I'm in a place that can go deeper right now, like this is going to get bad and I have to make some adjustments. And so that's when I started making some adjustments and, and, and we're coming out of it. We're coming out of it. What did not healthy look like for you? Absolutely no energy to do anything. Um, I'm very extreme in general, but when I have no energy and no motivation to even move, then I know that things are going not so well. Um, but because yeah. I am moving 24 seven, it's like, you could have seen this happening a mile away. You know what I mean? You could have seen this all happening. And it wasn't until COVID where I wasn't allowed out of my house. So I wasn't allowed any distractions. Um, and I had to sit there with myself. And you could say I didn't have energy because of COVID, but I didn't have energy before that to do anything. Um, right. And also there's a lot of pressure on social media. I want to show up for people as the best version of myself every single day. If I'm putting content out there, I want that content to be uplifting. And I had no energy to put content out. And I think all right. of it started to be massive red flags for me. Yeah. And as someone who like feels so passionate and is such an authentic human, I would imagine that that felt really frustrating and challenging to feel as though you can't show up. Yeah, it today. felt icky. It felt, um, it felt false. It felt, it felt so fake. And I feel like I've prided myself um, over the course of being on social, of uh, being just real and, and just showing up as myself. And so, yeah, it felt, it felt like I needed to have like a come to Jesus moment with myself and with the team on social and just be like, here's really where I'm at. And we're going to work through this together. You're going to watch my journey. You, you know, people have an expectation of how I am. Um, and think that that's just like so easy for me to show up every single day, work my ass off with a smile. And it, so it's important to start getting real. Also, you're so much more relatable when you're real. That's the other thing. I'm like, that was what started to get so frustrating with me. I'm like, how are you showing up every single day with a fake smile and trying to act like everything's okay when the rest of the world is also probably dealing with shit? Like show up real, Kaisa. Tell them that you're dealing with yeah. shit. Tell them that shit's hard right now. Like be real. How did that go for you? Great. I mean, the team on social. I have the best community on social. People are incredible. Like, that's the thing I always am like, my mind is blown by how supportive the team on social is. They are the reason why I've gotten through so many things in my life and they will never know. But like, they are always so powerful and so supportive. And I wouldn't be here without them. I'm, yeah. 
Can you give us like some insight as to how that conversation went and maybe what some of the feedback yeah, was? Yeah, I mean, I just, the conversation, I think it, it has started throughout the pandemic. I started talking about self-love. I thought I started talking about going through a hard time and I started opening up a bit more. And for me, it's, I'm connecting in the way that they're commenting or direct messaging me. And so that's how I'm connecting and that's how I'm seeing um, and I'm just answering back and I'm talking to people. And that's when I really started to realize like people need to hear this message because they're, we're all going through this together. We're all going through this. And when somebody can out loud say, this is where I'm at and you can connect with them, you then feel connected. You don't feel like you're on your own, like isolated on an island. And so I think for me, I realized like I felt alone a lot. And I know this might sound crazy, but I feel I felt so much more connected to people even though it's through a screen, even though it's through Instagram. Um, and that started to help me pull out as well. I love that. I love to hear that. Yeah. I, I, I totally co-sign this idea that like perfection isn't relatable. Vulnerability is relatable. So getting to this place where we step down and like, sometimes it can get easy to like put this front on because it's easier than confronting how you really feel. Oh, right? Yeah. I mean, there's for me, the thing is I have to go back and be okay with it all because I wasn't ready. I wasn't in a, in a space to be able to actually deal with, you know, how dark things were or what I was going through. And so I know now I just have a little grace for myself and you go through it when you're ready to go through it. But it's a reminder to me to always be as open and honest as I'm comfortable being. Um, and the team has always been there to support and friends and family are always there to support as well. So as you're going through these health struggles of sorts, what's your relationship like with your diet? So my relationship with my diet, I always say like, I don't care. I'll eat whatever, whatever's in front of my face I'll eat. But during the pandemic, one, I don't really enjoy cooking. And during the pandemic, when I was so busy, I was eating out like Uber eating, Uber eating every single day, sometimes twice a day, which no matter what you're getting, like it's, that's just not a healthy way to eat. And so that was really difficult. My body didn't feel good with all of that. And then also I like to escape. I like to drink and I like to party. And when things are getting really rough, like that's also something I turn to. So for me, it's like, I know when my behavior starts to change in this way, I know what's coming. It just takes a lot for me to then have a moment to pause and reflect and look at it. But I know all the trickling mm. effects of everything. So one thing for me that when I start to spiral that way, like alcohol, like I start to just try to remove one thing. Alcohol is an easy thing for me to remove and to start looking at things clearly. Um, I started having somebody help me with food. So I have food in my fridge. So I'm not Uber eating. Like it's just tools that I have in my tool belt and they're different for everybody, but it's just things that I can go to, to help kind of like pull me out of where I'm headed. Yeah. Because that like hurdle moment, that turnaround point that you turn can be really debilitating. Oh yeah. And, and it takes me a long time to get there. I will know in my yeah. mind, like I will be like, Oh, you, Oh, Oh, we're spiraling right now. Like we are spiraling. This is, this isn't going good. It could be a year. <laughs> like I knew I was spiraling it takes a long time to get to the point where like something is either the final straw or there's enough things going on. A lot of times it's my body feels something. So I'm like in pain or I'm tired. I don't have, and I like get sick of that feeling. Um, but there's a lot of those like kind of bottom moments for me that start to realize I got to change something. Also change one thing. That's what I've learned over the years. Do not change everything, change one thing. And start to see how, like, pay attention to how that that starts to either give you more energy or creates a rippling effect of things. Alcohol, for some reason, like, because it's such a go-to, that was an easy thing for me. But it's also kind of protecting my space, um, not going out as much, staying home more, and just trying to work through some things on my own. Yeah. And as you mentioned, the idea of the toolkit is really really important. When you reflect on your current toolkit, what's in there to help you show up regularly, whether it's journaling or like even specific products, where would you go yeah, with that? My toolkit right now is movement, which is my coach and going to that space. And I have a coach because I know that I, there's a lot of pressure around creating my own programming and then also accountability. My life is very, very busy and it's really easy to not show up for myself. It's really easy to put myself yep. last. And so I have a coach because I am accountable to him and I will show up for him. 
I have therapy. Like I said, that's been huge for me the past four months. I've had therapy throughout my entire life, but for the past four months, that's been a, a, a game changer. Um, nutrition for me, I have someone helping make me food, which is huge. Sleep. Like there's a lot of easy things that we can do, tools that don't require, you know, money, sleep, hydration. So it's like, I really just try to focus on the daily things, the simple things that I can do. I am trying to work on sitting still a bit more, but I'm not a meditator. I think I meditate through movement. I'm not a calm person. So that doesn't, that's not going over so well. (laughs) (laughs) Not going over so well. Wow. Okay. So a lot of really basic things in the toolkit. And to your point earlier, one thing at a time, if all of these things sound like they could be beneficial for you, the listener, and spoiler alert, they are, there's no need to implement them all at once. So if you want to get better with your sleep, start there before you also pick up your journal, pick up a movement practice, think about what's in your fridge, break things up into little doables so that they don't feel completely overwhelming. Yeah. And I think that's huge because you can tend to make like somebody could make up a whole story about like, I've got it all perfectly and I'm doing it right. Like, because you could see that from the outside world, uh, not at all. I'm working on (laughs) one thing at a time. Once I get that one thing and it's going well, I'm trying to add one more thing. Like for minor, minor little example, supplementation. I've been knowing I need to add a few more things, but it's overwhelming. It has been to look at all the supplements. But now that I have my food, now that I have my sleep, now that I have my movement, the past few months, I've been like, I can add my supplementation. That's something I can handle right now. So it's really just about knowing yourself, knowing what you can do. My first step is always into movement, but that might not be your first step. Like maybe it is sleep. Maybe it's better nutrition. Um, or proper hydration, like just find something that's doable for you and not overwhelming. What does supplementation look like for you these days? Oh, it's, it's a lot, but I, I'm, I'm working with thorn supplements and like, I'm always have been so hesitant about supplements because I just, it's very gimmicky and I'm just not about that. Um, and I think you can get a lot of your nutrients from your food, but 36, I want to stay moving and feeling good forever. And Thorn has just continuously come highly recommended. So I've been working with them now for the past four months um, on supplementation. And I can't give them all the credit because I think it's a handful of things, but I feel phenomenal and it's made a huge difference. But I've also, you know, added more movement, better nutrition, hydration, all the things. But supplementation has been at the top of the list. In terms of like what types of supplement are supplements are you taking? Um, are you taking like a multivitamin? Are you taking fish oil? Like what are we leaning yeah, to? So I'm taking a lot, and because it's overwhelming, I actually created a page on my website to have the top five that are recommended from their brilliant team. And so we have them. Like I have their recovery protein, their catalyte, which is their electrolytes, their multivitamin, um, their amino complex and their creatine are the top five if you are a big mover. um, And then from there, it's all going to be suggested out. But because supplements are like, oh my God, it's so debilitating. Like, am I supposed to take a million things? No, you don't have to start there at all. Right. And I see you sitting there with a C4 can. My face. <laughs> What's the deal with this C4? I feel like I've been seeing a lot about it on social. I know. Like, Everyone's like, how do you get through your workouts? And I'm like, my C4 energy. I just am somebody like I have the brand C4 in general. They are so fun to work with and their product I've been using for years. And so it's like a perfect partnership for me. And they're just a really fun brand. Like we meet energy to energy. Um, and their products are awesome. Obviously, I love them. You'll see them in all my videos. Um, and so I've gotten the whole team on our C4 energy. But, you know, we're trying to do a lot in life and I need some energy to carry me through. <laughs> I was like, I just need to comment on this can yeah. that I'm seeing you sip as we sit here. You're like, this is actually my secret superpower yeah. <laughs> drink that helps me get through everything. <laughs> Absolutely everything I have going on. So like we said, pandemic was a hard time, lots of challenges coming out of it. Now, when you think about what excites you for you and your business at this point, where are you going? What's on deck? I think the biggest thing that excites me is getting the world to move and getting more people into movement every single day. That's always been the thing that's excited me. That's always been the thing that's gotten me out of bed every single uh, morning. It's also for me really recognizing that in as an industry as a whole, we don't help encourage people to start their movement journey. And so that's really what I'm focusing on as well is helping people understand you have a body, you are a mover. And I think 
in general, the fitness industry tends to focus on people that are already moving. And I love focusing on those people, but I really want people who have never moved before, who are possibly in pain, who don't know what to do. I want them to have a place to go to. And that is what we're trying to build with just move and my start moving level. I want to ask you on like a woman to woman level, female entrepreneur level, I too can sympathize and relate to this idea of putting myself last. It gets to be really easy. How do you find the time or make the time to give back to you? And what do you feel like maybe something that you've sacrificed when it comes to building your brand? Yeah. I'm going to start with the sacrifice. I've sacrificed everything. I think this is the thing where when people from the outside world and you can tell yourself your own stories and they maybe look at what I do and think that they want that I've given up almost everything in my life to be here. Um, like relationships, you know, my siblings are all married and there's children and everything going on. And then they look at my life and I'm like, my business is my baby. It has been my entire life. I work 24 seven. So, you know, my friend group is very small. I get to travel a little bit, but I don't do a ton of crazy things just for pleasure. Um, even though I love what I do. So that is what brings me a lot of joy, but I've sacrificed, I would say everything, everything to be at this point and I would do it again. It's not a negative, but I would do it again. I would do it over and over and over again. Um, because I absolutely love what I do. And I love the challenge of trying to get more and more people into movement. And I love what it means when people start their movement journey and how much that transforms their lives. And I'm motivated by that every single day. I think in terms of prioritizing myself, again, it goes back to I hired a coach um, because I know that I will be accountable to him. I think when it comes to prioritizing yourself, you have to be very realistic with yourself. You have to know yourself. I will not make time for myself unless it's on the calendar and I'm accountable to somebody because at the end of the day, every day I'm supposed to end my day with a 10 minute, don't do anything, just breathe, uh, per my therapist. And I don't do it because she's not here leading me through it. (laughs) And so like, I now I know myself and rather than beating myself up, I'm like, I have now scheduled an appointment with her every single week. I have my trainer every single week. I have somebody helping me with nutrition. Um, So I just do what I set myself up for success. I do what works for me and I try not to judge it and I try not to analyze it. And I just know what works for me and I stay moving with that. For someone listening to this who resonates with your message of the importance of just beginning, of just starting, they may feel a little intimidated on it, but they really do want to give it a wholehearted go. What advice do you offer to them? I first want to say you go and you got this and it is just about getting started. The number one thing I say is even though you want to start your movement journey, not every single day do you have to move, but what you have to do is carve out two minutes, three minutes every single day to just take a minute. You can be sitting in your chair, you could be stretching, you can be breathing, but you have to start forming the habit. And then from there, the habit will grow. And when you are ready for that habit to grow, go to startmoving.com because I've got you covered. (laughs) I'm like, I am here for you. And the number one thing with moving is most of the time, people who are not moving a lot are in pain. And the the misnomer here is that if you start moving, you're going to be in more pain, but it's exact opposite. You're probably in a lot of pain because your joints are not moving. Um, and so we're going to start moving very gently. Most of our workouts start actually in a chair. So I've got you covered. And then from there, you're going to build up your strength and you're going to be really empowered in what your body can do. And the rest is history. You can do anything you want. Who empowers you aside from your community? I was going to say it's the team. It is the, it's the team on social media. Um, I get so much energy from that team and I'm so motivated to continue to show up for them. I'm so motivated to be my best version, uh, the best version of myself for them. So it's a hundred percent the team. Hand in hand with building your business. I'm sure a lot of people you turn to every now and again for advice. If you have to reflect on the best advice that you've been offered as an entrepreneur, what comes to mind? I think the best advice I've gotten is there's no right way. So for me as a perfectionist, I'm constantly thinking, I'm constantly thinking I'm dumb. I don't have the answers. I can't do this. What am I doing? How did I get here? I shouldn't be here. And the best advice that I keep getting from somebody that's very important to me is there's absolutely no right way. You're here for a reason. 
you've gotten this far, there's more to go and you're doing it right. Like look back and reflect. Don't keep looking forward all the time. Look back and reflect at what you've achieved. Be proud of that. Use that as fuel to move forward. And you don't have to be like anybody else because you're not like anybody else. You touched on before the idea that the journey isn't necessarily linear. I would assume, and I know because this is how it is, that there have certainly been some tear-filled professional setbacks as you've been building your brand. What did you look to? How have you had to pick yourself up when those difficult moments have struck for you? That is an awesome question. I think the truth is, is that I'm so anchored in my purpose and my mission that the entire roller coaster ride is worth it. And that when it gets really, really low, I just go back to that. Like when it gets low could mean a deal fell through, could mean, you know, sales are not the, what they should be. It could mean so many things, but if my ultimate goal is to get the world to move and I'm attached to that always, and I can attach back to that as fuel, then I can weather any storm and I can get through anything. And I think for me, that's just kind of always been that anchoring part that pulls me through. The most important takeaway that I offer to whoever will listen is that getting through doesn't mean not having those moments of sadness or giving yourself a second to mourn your hard work that didn't pan out as you'd hoped. You get to do that, but then you also get the opportunity to pick yourself up and keep going. Yeah, and there are lessons. I really try to look, I mean, pause. When something happens, I go through all the emotions. I do not try to ignore them. I definitely go through being super upset or disappointed. Um, but I also try to reflect on like, what is this? Am I supposed to go through a different door? Is this trying to lead me somewhere else? Um, and just like I said before, I've had so many opportunities in my life where you would think that a forward step looked like this and you would think that a backward step looked like this. But what looked backwards was propelled me, like slingshotted me so far forward. So I do try to look at things in life as like lessons. And once I've gotten through the emotion, try to analyze them and just see if it's trying to push me in a different direction. Right. Like, why is this happening yeah. for you is a question I'm always asking myself, even when what's happening is nothing that I wanted yeah, originally. There's so much of what we've envisioned. I know where I want to go. I do not know how I'm going to get there. Like I say all the time, I know the type of cake I want to bake. I have no idea what the recipe is and I'm okay with it switching up. And I'm okay. As long as I'm anchored to the right endpoint. I'm okay with things taking a lot of detours or going a different route because I've started to realize it's only my ego in here that says the route has to be this way. So I'm starting to be a lot more flexible with we're going to bend and turn and twist and go all over as long as we all know we're going for this end goal. When someone comes to your Instagram page, they see a woman that is followed by many uh, who loves to work out, has her MS and exercise science. When you look in the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you? Oh, that's going to make me emotional. Um, wh Well, when I look in the mirror, in all honesty, I'm like, oh, we got a lot of work to do. We're trying to get the whole world to move. We're not there yet. But I do try to reflect. And in moments like this, I do appreciate you bring that up because I do reflect on like, I never in a million years would have thought that I would have been here. Through everything that I've gone through, I never in a million years could say, I mean, technically I am a professional athlete because I move and I get paid for it. So that is like one bucket list item that I'm always like, oh my gosh, you had no idea how it was going to happen, but you are officially here. And I'm so proud of that. And then also just that I've, I've created a platform that encourages the world to move, which was always my goal and my passion. And that is what I'm going to continue doing. You're wearing a sweatshirt right now that says I am more than my body. If you had to call out some of the characteristics that you have that make you truly proud of who you've become, what would those be? I mean, I think my biggest characteristic is the fact that I never get up, give up. I think my biggest characteristic is that I'm a hard worker. At the end of the day, I don't take no for an answer and I believe in myself. It's been many, many years of working on myself, but I believe in myself. And I think I'm, you know, uniquely me and starting to become more and more proud of that. 
But yeah, I, I think I've gotten to where I've gotten today because I have a tough shell. I have a very, very soft, right below the shell is very soft and very sensitive, but I'm willing to put in a lot of work. I'm willing to do a lot of the things that a lot of people don't want to do because I am so attached to my mission and my purpose and why I think I'm even here on this earth. The last thing that I want to touch on with you here today is injury. I know that you have gone through a few major ones as someone who is so passionate about movement, who really credits it as the thing that keeps her sane. Talk to me about how challenging some of these major injuries have been for you and what were they? Yeah. So injuries have always been, have always plagued me. The more you move, the more you're going to have injuries, but they're always something that allows me to have a total shift in what's going on in my life. So I think the biggest injury for me was when I broke my leg and that was, that was like six or seven years ago. And it was just when social media was starting and I was on my own and I was thinking, this is over. Like everything I've worked for is over. If I can't, if I don't have a leg that works right now, how am I going to create workout videos? So I had a very deep, dark moment. And then I realized I can do a lot of movement on one leg and with my core and with my upper body. And that ended up kind of catapulting me because then I became the crazy lady with a pink cast that was doing, you know, movements. But in that moment, I had a conversation with myself that recognized that I was not listening to her. I was not taking care of her. My leg was broken because that was the final thing for my body to get me to sit down on my couch and listen to her. But there were a lot of things that were happening before that. And so I literally had a conversation with my leg. And I said, if you heal faster than the doctor said, you're going to heal. I promise I will take care of you. I will listen to you. I will do anything that you need and I will put you first for the rest of my life. And I have done that and I have taken care of her. And I just had this conversation where I looked at my body as something other than me. And I looked at like, she is my best friend and I need her to get through this life. And if I don't start honoring her and listening to her and taking care of her, she will not be able to show up for me. And so that was the biggest turning point for me. Um, and then I've had many injuries along the road, not nothing as major, but I just think injuries now, like I'm not saying they're like positive, but they're a moment to reflect. They're a moment to look at some other things that are going on in life. They're a moment, you know, where your body just gets to slow you down and have you, you know, look around and see what else you could possibly be working on. I've been dealing with a little bit of like plantar fasciitis, which is like the sexiest term, isn't it? Like plantar fasciitis. <laughs> but I feel like I have been thinking of her, as you put it, the same way. And also, you know how people talk to plants and they grow better. I'm like, oh, if I just speak kindly toward the direction of my right heel, then we're going to be all good. Emily, that like totally makes my day. It is it is why I started the I am more than my body. And I know that sounds like a negative, but it was to help. I used it for me, but it's to help people understand that you are one thing. Your body is another thing. She, it, they are always listening to you. So when you have this negative self-talk, whatever's going on in your head, when you define your body by simply what it looks like, all of these things, your body is absorbing all of that. And so I actively have my clients practice and not in a gimmicky way, not in standing in front of the mirror and being like, I love myself. Not that. Just like one positive thing you can say. Or if a negative thought goes through, then can you switch that and say something? For me, I have some big ass arms. It's always a thing. I'm like, oh man, those arms are huge. And then I'm like, yes. And that's why you can do these crazy pull-ups and push-ups. You know, it's like changing that thought process. And just like I do reps in the gym, I do reps with my positive self-talk all the time. Um, but I think it makes a huge difference. So I would say keep keep on with that. We love a positive self-talk rep. But not in a gimmicky way. That's where I'm like, it's not. I'm following you. No, I'm with yeah. you. I'm with you. Because I, I, I'm with it. Yeah, because I'm like the whole self-love culture turns into this like where it just becomes fake and you're not actually connected. But I think if you can start to appreciate your body as like your best friend, I think that relationship really takes a turn in a positive direction. All right, Kaisa, right now you have an opportunity to give yourself a piece of advice. Looking back at the hurdle moment, which was back in high school, pulling yourself out of that negative self-talk spiral, finding some purpose with the knowledge that you have now, what advice do you give yourself? That is so hard. I mean, I think I I would have just given myself a hug. I would have just given myself some love. I would have just showed up for myself 
in a very different way. And I always look back at young Kaisa and I'm like, I always feel so much. I'm like, oh God, it's so dark and sad. I'm like, I wish I could have just been there to be like, you are going to make it and you are going to do epic things and you are so worth all of this. And the journey is so incredibly hard right now, but because you're going through these low lows, you are going to be able to go to some high highs. You're going to be able to take that story with you um, and show up in so many different ways for people. So just like stay with this, just stay with this. Cause I wouldn't honestly, Emily, I wouldn't go back and change anything because all of those lessons taught me so much about myself, taught me what I could work through, what I could go through. It taught me to relate to other people in a very different way. Um, so I think I would just, I would just give her the biggest hug and say like, you're going to make it just like, keep going one step in front of the other one step in front of the other. Kaisa, I'm so glad that we were able to do this. If they don't follow you yet, how do the hurdlers keep up with you? How do they follow along with you? Give me all the details. Well, you can come move with me on justmove.com and, or you can come hang out with me on social media, which is Kaisa fit. And if you have any questions, like I am the one that runs my social, I'm in my DMS <laughs> all the time. So just hit me up if you have any questions or, you know, want to talk to me about something, just hit me up. I'm over at Hurdle Podcast and at Emily Abadi. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.